You are listening to Girl Read Your Bible, Sunday School for Adults Who Missed It. I'm your host, Nicole Woltz, and each week on this podcast, we are going to do a deep dive into someone's story who was so valuable and important that it made it into the Bible, probably because it can help us grow in our faith walk and to help us to become the person that God created each and every one of us to be. There's good stuff in these stories, and some of us didn't grow up with Sunday school and didn't grow up really learning all the things. And so I'm just here to help you if you're just getting started on your faith walk, or you maybe grew up in church, but you just don't have a full grasp the way you like of the different stories. So each week, we're going to go over one and help you to learn a little bit more and talk about some cultural relevances and just how certain things fit together. We're going to put the pieces together and just help you to grow in your faith walk. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited about the story we're going to talk about today. You will find in John chapter 4. Today we are talking about the woman at the well. The woman at the well is an incredible story. I can't wait to tell you why, but we'll just read it together and we'll talk about things as we go. Okay, that's how the um, that's how we lay this out. Uh, I also have for you, if you would like, it's going to help you to retain the story better, help you to get more out of it. I created um, a podcast study journal. It's available on Amazon. You can uh, purchase this. It helps the channel if you'd like. And it just is a good place to keep notes. It has some question prompts to help you go over uh, the stories that we talk about. And I always really recommend that after this podcast, you go to the story and read it for yourself and kind of just like let let it meditate and think over it and just help it to really become yours and something that you know. The Bible tells us to hide his word in our hearts. And the best way to do that is to read it for ourselves. So I'm just here to help you, help you get started and help you coach along the way. I also really appreciate any questions that you have. It helps me know, um, you know, what what you guys would like to hear and um, where you're at with your faith walk. So I know what things to be targeting in at. So please feel free, follow us on social media at 522gals and send me your questions. I love hearing from you guys. Without any more hesitation, we are going to dive in to John chapter four. We are talking today about the woman at the well. And I want to clarify a couple of points because I told you I'd be really thorough and trying to help those of us who, those of you who are new. So John, uh, this story takes place in the New Testament. The New Testament is from the birth of Jesus forward. So this is happening in the second half of the Bible. And John is, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. So just to clarify, this is would be one of John's disciples, one of his 12 besties, and that really walked with him, had first account of things that happened. So really uh, great place. And also John is my recommendation if you're new and starting uh, to read and people are like, I don't know where to start. It's a big book. Uh, reading the, from the book of John is always um, a, a good place to start. It's very helpful uh, the way that the scripture is broken down. Also, you might know that the most popular verse that people tend to know who've never really read the Bible still know John 3.16. We're starting in John 4, so that takes place shortly after John 3.16. If you have questions or are unsure about the Bible, where to start, I did make a podcast episode on that, so you can look for that um, 
episode about the Bible, different translations, how it's broken down, that might be helpful to you. Um, I am going to be reading from the New Living. We're going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to break some things down for you so you can get a full picture of the story and really understand where we're at and the context of different things. So we're starting in John chapter 4. Jesus is ministering. He's growing an audience. His disciples are baptizing people, and they're they're growing a big following, uh, more so even than John the Baptist, who had started a ministry before Jesus. And John the Baptist, not the same as this John. This is John a, a bestie. This is not John the Baptist. That would actually be Jesus's cousin. We're not going to get into that. That's for a different episode. But this, you know, the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, are starting to get a little uh, suspicious, a little irritated about all the fuss and what's going on. And so Jesus is moves moves around. He moves his ministry from place to place. And so at this time where we're the beginning of John, he's in uh, Judea and he's ready to leave and return to Galilee where he's going to do some other ministering. What's important context for this story is that you understand a couple things. One, Jesus is a Jew. He's born, he's born in the heritage. He's Jewish and he's about to go to Galilee, and there's a way to go to Galilee that's, you know, a shortcut, but most Jews don't take this shortcut. Most Jews actually take an extra couple of days to go around the territory of Samaria because they don't like Samaritans. <laughs> they, these, these two cultures, these two, pe- these two people do not get along. They have some disagreements about land and heritage and who's in the right. And so it breaks all down. They don't like each other. And really, like in the uh, you know hierarchy of things, the Jews consider themselves above the Samaritan people. And the Samaritan people would be, so you understand, to be there's Jews and then there's Gentiles. You'll hear these a lot in the Bible. Gent- there's Jews and then Gentiles are everybody else that would be me probably most of you that are watching where you kind of fall in the gentile class unless you were born jewish by heritage so a samaritan is actually a mix samaritans are typically half jewish and half something else which is what makes them less than in the eyes of the culture of that day and so that's important relevance because Jesus doesn't go around Samaria on his way to Galilee. He goes through it. So that's already like defying cultural norms, which is what Jesus was like an expert at and really important for us to pay attention to when we're reading the Bible. Is So it's important to kind of know what these cultural norms are to understand that he's breaking them and saying, these are silly. We're not doing this. And it's really setting an example of how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to not not get sucked into these ridiculous prejudices and and stereotypes and all that stuff. And Jesus was always setting that example. And this is one way that he did that. So that's a basis to help us get started on this story. So um, he went through Samaria on the way. Eventually, we're starting in verse 5. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, Near, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. We're talking about Jacob's well was there. So when we're talking about that, I just want just to give you like a better picture. Jacob would be 
Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, one of which was Joseph. You may know Joseph in the coat of many colors. That would be this Joseph. They all have really important relevance, and we will get into all of their stories at some point. But I just want you to have some context. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And I should keep going because there's so much good stuff, but I have to stop right there and tell you like some aha moment that was really cool to me is that Jesus was tired from a long walk and he sat down. (laughs) Can we all just say thank you for that wonderful example that sometimes we get tired and it's okay to take a break and take a rest. Jesus had an important task on the earth more than any of the busy work that we have. He had a lot to do and he still took a lot of time throughout scripture where he rested, where he stopped, where he took a break. And I think that that is incredibly powerful for us to hold on to and and think about and remember when we're beating ourselves up for taking a break or when we're thinking that you know busyness equals success or that we're required to be a certain level of exhausted in order to feel like we're living an abundant life that's all ridiculous and jesus models that for us all the time but this was just a really good little point as there's a lot of places where you know jesus takes a break So it's important to say, it's okay to take a break. And often when you stop and take that break, God is going to find a way to use it. And that's exactly what's about to happen here. So let's keep reading. Jesus sat down, takes a break uh, by a well. It's about noontime. That's also significant. We'll get to that. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because he sent his disciples had gone in. They had gone into the village to buy some food. Also important. Excellent delegator. Didn't feel the need to do everything himself. Look how much we're learning already. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Let's paint the whole picture. I told you the two did not get along on top of the fact that she's a Samaritan. She's a woman. And that was also, you know, we have all these cultural norms and stereotypes. Jews didn't like Samaritans, but they also, I mean, a Samaritan woman would have been way down on that hierarchy. So it's really like she's shocked. Like, who is this guy that's talking like, I can't believe this guy would even talk to me. We're going to back up a little bit and talk about the fact that she's there at noontime. I want you to know that the well, cities were always built near and around wells because they were a water source and we need water. Think about how much you use water in your daily life. Like we, we wash our clothes, we prepare dinner, we do our laundry. We, I think I said, we, we need water like all the time for everything. And so did they. And so cities were always built around water, very important part of every community. But because you need it to do all the things in that day and because of temperatures, you came in the morning women it was the women's job to get the water and do all the things and then they would come in the morning and it was quite the gathering place as you can imagine right like it's all these women gather every single morning and they get their water for the, that they need to do whatever they need to do to take care of their homes 
And they're pretty chatty with one another. I would imagine it was quite the social circle. This woman, Jesus gets there. Obviously, no one else is around. And then this uh, this woman arrives around noontime. It was significant. That's why it's mentioned. This is not the appropriate time for her to be here. This is an odd time for some woman to come to a well. And, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll get to why she, she has that, why she's there at this time. So anyhow, he's, he's alone. He asks her for some water. I'm skipping around. So I'm trying to stay in place while I'm talking. It's so difficult. Um, he, she said, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me to give you living water. But sir, I, you don't have a rope or a bucket. This well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Like, this is good water here. This is part of our heritage. What are you talking about? You sound a little nuts. I'm, I'm sure she was a little suspicious. The whole situation is already weird. But Jesus replies to her and says, anyone who drinks... This water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Because he's talking about spiritual water. But she doesn't understand that because we haven't gotten into that yet. She, she, this is a learning curve. And she is such an important person. Let's keep going. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. That's important because she doesn't want to come there. So Jesus has an odd comeback here to this ask, this reply of hers. Go get your husband, he told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Time out. I, I, I know things are different in today's culture. So I, it's always important when you're reading the Bible to try to imagine or think back on what was relevant in previous cultures. So it might be a little helpful for as best as we can kind of imagine whether you lived in it or not, you've seen a movie. And you know that in like, let's say the 50s, you know, divorce was pretty taboo. Once upon a time, even in American culture, divorce was very taboo. It was frowned upon. People were ostracized from polite society for choices that they made. That's in the 50s. I can't even really comprehend reading this, how someone in her cultural time period would have had five husbands. Like she's got to deal with a time. I don't know if any of you had to read like the Scarlet Leather Letter in high school, or if you didn't, you still like have heard it referenced as, I mean, divorces was a, was a, and not okay. And shagging up with somebody you weren't married to was definitely frowned upon. So much more than we can probably really imagine in today's culture. And so now we have this understanding through context of why she didn't want to be at the well in the morning with all the other women. 
she was probably kind of a social outcast, or at least she believed so. She knew that her lifestyle, she'd made some questionable choices, some bad choices, and that she wasn't living the life that she was meant to live. She wasn't becoming all she was meant to be. She was following her own ambitions, and she knew it, and she kind of felt the shame of it, and she hid herself away or avoided other people and cultural and social situations because she knew that she would be talked about or, um, you know, just treated poorly. So this is why she's at the well at noontime and not in the morning with all the other ladies. She doesn't want to be around them because she has a past and she's probably been, I mean, bullied is the wrong word, but, you know, mean girls is a thing no matter which culture or time period you're in. So she's shocked that she's never seen this man before. She has no idea. She didn't know who he was. And, and now he's telling her all this stuff. So in the, the next verse, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at the at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. I got to tell you, I'm terrible at pronunciation. You may be too. Don't let that stop you from reading the Bible. Sound it out. Go with what it is. If it's relevant, we'll discuss it. But for the most part, pronunciation is not really relevant. So just do the best you can. Don't let that that trip you up or stop you from reading the Bible. I'm not, and I'm doing this podcast, and I can't pronounce this stuff. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For our salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Time out. So really cool thing that I want to point out to you because this is something I never hear talked about when people talk about the woman at the well, when people preach about it, whatever. I never... I never saw this, and it's so powerful. Here, here he is clearly having some sort of intuitive insight. She's like, you must be a prophet because you know things that there's no way you could know. We don't know each other. I've never seen you. You're a Jewish man. You probably don't hang out in Samaria. You don't know me, but you knew my past. You knew my history. You knew my shame. And so that makes you a prophet. And so for many of us, if we if we met somebody who has great insight, like this man who she doesn't realize who he is yet, and she's like, he's a man with great insight, he's got some answers, the first thing she asks him about is worship. That speaks volumes to me about this woman. She could have asked him anything. She could have asked him what business she should start. She could ask him which man she should be married to. She could ask him any questions. She's just her and him. She has the opportunity to talk to someone who clearly has prophetic ability. And instead, she asks him about worship. Tells me something about the nature of her heart and probably a big big thing of why we need to realize that God chose to use her in this way. Why Jesus was at that place at that appointed time, why she was there too. 
she was one of the people. So he said, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think, I mean, I, I believe that he totally knew that she was that person. She was one of the types of people that cared deeply about worshiping God, despite the choices that she'd made in her life. She, she had a, a heart thing going on that God recognized that Jesus knew about. And that's why she makes it into the Bible. It's why her story is relevant. Is because her spirit was in tune. It's why it's the first thing she asks him about. Not about herself. Not about something that she could gain or get clarity on, which many of us would do. I think I would have probably asked some different questions. So I'm incredibly impressed. And I think that Jesus is impressed with her too. Because he rewards her in this way. He tells her next. Because she says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who's called Christ. And when he comes... He'll explain everything to us. Perhaps she asked him about this to try to say, is this maybe the Messiah? He, the Messiah is going to explain things to us. So as this guy, we'll see. This is so relevant. Most important verse in the entire chapter, according to me anyway. Verse 26, John 4, 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. You know why that's incredibly relevant? It's the first time that Jesus told anyone that. It's the first time in plain words that Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And he told that woman. He told a woman who was full of shame, who'd committed multiple acts of adultery, who'd been married many times, who was living with someone she wasn't married to, hitting all the, you know, big deals at the time. At any time. And, uh, and he, uh, he still chose to tell her first. Making us realize that it's more about a heart thing, right? So it's an incredible testimony for her. She's the first person he told. That's so powerful. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter what shame you carry, that God can see what's going on in your heart and in your spirit and that he can still use you. And he's about to use this woman's commitment and love for him in an incredible way. Because she is not who she thinks she is. And I'm about to prove it to you. Let's go to 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what are you doing with her? Reiterating that cultural stereotype. Type. The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone come and see a man who told me everything I ever did could he possibly be the Messiah and the people came streaming from the village to see him time out this is pretty much the end of her story even though the chapter continues on I want to tell you the relevance of that she didn't know who she was. She was afraid of these other women. She didn't want to be around people. She had all these self projections of her identity. But I think she was inaccurate. And this is why. She went to the village after her encounter with Jesus. She went to the village and told everyone. She got right over that fear, right over that fear of all the other people, right over that anxiety, right over that 
hesitation to be around other people. She ran to tell them. She was excited to tell them. She wasn't just like, oh, good. Look what he did for me. I'm not, that's about me and Jesus. That's not about all these other people who've been shaming me all these years. No, she was overfilled with joy to go tell them. And they responded to her telling them. She went and told everyone, come and see this man who told me everything he ever did. If she was actually as maybe despised or discarded as she felt in the beginning of the story by her, you know, we see that evident by the fact that she wasn't hanging out at the well in the morning when she should have been, but she felt rejected. If she was actually as rejected, if they actually didn't like her, if she actually didn't have any kind of influence, they wouldn't have listened to her. They wouldn't have come. There's this woman who's had all this history and whatever, and she runs out there telling them, I think the Messiah's over here. This, come, come and see. And they all came. People came streaming out of the village to see him. They listened to her. She carried incredible influence, and she didn't know it. But Jesus knew it. He knew she did because he knew her spirit. He knew it was a spirit that wanted answers about worship, which was an incredible first and only question that she asked the prophet. She was the first woman that he shared, first person that he said the words, I am the Messiah to. And then she went out and shared that with great joy and enthusiasm and carried incredible influence that she maybe didn't realize that she had. That's why I think this story makes it in the Bible. And that's some of the amazing things that we can take away. I think that you and I, and we all have incredible influence and we don't realize it. We may think we may carry some shame. We may carry some disappointments. We may think that we're small in the world, but we are bigger than we realize. And you carry more influence than you realize, just like the woman at the well. I think her story is an incredible reminder that when we have an encounter with Jesus, we've got to tell people about, about him. We got to spread our joy and be enthusiastic. And we've got to look to see who God says that we are, not who we've predetermined or concluded or been afraid that we have become. Look at who you were meant to become and realize that you carry more influence than you probably knew just like the woman at the well. I hope you enjoyed this story today. I hope you will write some notes down and make sure that this stays in your heart and that you remember her story. Again, it's found in John chapter four. And until next time, girl, read your Bible.